Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, March 9th. And look, I'm going to be honest with you listeners, it is obviously a different sort of feeling on this Monday than usual. Uh, Most of the time on these podcasts, we get to recap Championship Sunday, preview the next week, fantastic action. Uh, But obviously that's not the case right now. The biggest storyline in tennis, the impact of the coronavirus on the many events happening throughout the globe. The headline, of course, Indian Wells officially canceled this year. I think that's the first time there will be no Indian Wells since like 1990, 1991, and it's a crazy topic, and obviously that is the topic on the top of all tennis fans' minds, and last night uh, we were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to speak with New York Times writer, NCR podcast co-host Ben Rothenberg to break down, you know, the, the decision uh, for Indian Wells to cancel the event, to talk about the larger impact of the cancellation, what we expect to happen moving forward in the tennis world. That was an emergency Great Shot podcast. I also gave my immediate reaction on an, a mini break we released late last night as soon as the news came out. So if you are looking for those sorts of discussions, what's going on right now in the tennis world, how the sport plans on adapting, what we should expect moving forward due to these concerns, Concerns about the coronavirus, be sure to go listen to that emergency Great Shot podcast with Ben um, or that mini break that I recorded earlier, although not to plug both. I mean, listen to both, please. Of course, we'll take all of the listens and downloads we can have. Um, but, you know, that conversation with Ben really, I thought, did a good job of covering, you know, from the business aspect, the, you know, economic impact, the what we should just expect to see as tennis fans moving forward. We covered all of that in that Great Shot podcast, and I'm sure we will be talking about it more and more throughout the week, so be on the lookout for all of those things. Uh, But we did have a championship Sunday, and again, not to make light of the situation, but given where we're at right now, it's really unclear when we're going to have our next full flight of championship Sunday matches, so I want to break those down for you today because it was still a really fun day of tennis from the tennis world. Before I can do any of that, I, of course, have to let you guys know the reason we are able to do these podcasts due to our friends at Diadem Sports, and you all know the deal right now. Diadem is helping tennis players across the globe elevate their game by designing the most innovative performance tennis gear on the planet. Their rackets developed with your performance in mind, and we say it all the time. Everyone's game style is a little bit different. No two players play exactly the same. You know, you can joke about it all you want. Call Grigor Dimitrov baby fed. Say, well, they they both have one-handed backhands and their forehands both look the same. Yeah, but there are still subtleties and nuances, of course, to everyone's tennis game is different. And our friends at Diadem believe they have the racket, they have the technology, and we know they do to bring out the best in your game, whether it's power and explosiveness, precision and control, you're a return and volley, or you're a double specialist, whatever it may be, their Nova 100, their Elevate 98 racket's perfect to bring 
bring out the best in your tennis game. I also want to talk about a new offer they have because we talk about their various string technology as well. Things such as their Solstice Power, their Elite XT, their Flash Strings. They've got them all. They're all meant to accentuate different parts of your game, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, what if I don't know exactly what sort of string works best for my game? Two options for you folks. A, highly recommend you go listen to the Cracked Interviews podcast we did with Diadem Sports co-founder AJ Bartlett, where he gets into what each string can specifically accentuate in your game, and that was a really fun, in-depth conversation that I think you all will enjoy. Or B, you want to just try them all? Well, I have good news for you. If you go to their website right now, Diadem sports.com they are offering a diadem string bundle and that means for 20 bucks you can get uh not just the uh diadem string not just the solstice power not just the elite xt but the flash as well you can also get diadem premier tennis balls and a diadem drawstring shoe bag and all of that for 20 bucks now of course 20 bucks and for tennis strings? Are you kidding me? That's a bargain, but you want 50% off of that order as well? Go to their website, diademsports.com, plug in our promo code CR50. You'll get 50% off all of your orders there as well. So not only are you going to get great string from for a bar, you know, great string to bring out the best in your game, but it's also a bargain as well. You are winning those exchanges, folks. And again, we are so grateful for our friends at Diadem Sports for their continuing support of this podcast. So the least we can do is ask you to go check out their website, diademsports.com. You're going to see that Elevate 98. You're going to be like, ooh. That is a sexy looking blue. I may have to look into this racket, and I know you know they have been kind enough. I, I don't want to tease anything, but you may be seeing me playing some vid- on video with uh, some diadem gear in the near future, so be on the lookout for that. Talking about seeing people playing on video, it does seem like that's going to be the feeling moving forward. I think our favorite website here, our unofficial sponsor, Livestream.com backslash ATP, is going to see a lot of action this week because there's a challenger in Kazakhstan, there's a challenger in South Africa, but... That's really it on the tennis schedule-wise. Now, again, we have a championship Sunday to record because we did have five fantastic events this past week. We started all week long in Indian Wells. I want to switch gears here and talk about the, my favorite thing that I saw yesterday, and that was the WTA Women's Final in Monterey between Elena Svitolina, Maria Buskova, it was a three-set battle, folks. The match taking three hours in total. It's a testament to both players who are just counterpunchers. They're grinders. They're going to absorb the pace of their opponents. They're going to move direction with the ball so well. And it was an absolute thriller. The crowd there getting treated to some phenomenal tennis. In the end, it's number one seed, Alina Svitolina, who had had, I think she had three wins on the year coming into this week, just had not been able to find her rhythm thus far in 2020. And Look, this decision to play this week, obviously with the upcoming schedule changes, looks like it's going to pay off tremendously. But just from a confidence level for Alina Svitolina, after she wins this match 7-5-4-6-6-4, she's got to be feeling pretty good about her game. And again, folks, this was an either-or match. You look at the total points, Svitolina 123, Buskova 110. That doesn't really tell the story, though, because for Svitolina, that first set, I mean, it was an absolute grind. Uh, you know, both of these players doing whatever they can to make the aggressive ball. I thought Svitolina probably did the slightly better job of the two of dictating to the outer thirds, of changing directions, of playing on her terms. 
But man, did Marie Buskova counterpunch just to perfection. I mean, her ability to move around the court, her ability to find the outer thirds. You know, Svitolina would have her on the run, and Svitolina would try to throw in the drop shot, but Buskova was just too quick. She was tracking everything down. She was playing aggressive when she could. Uh, It was really effective with her first serve throughout the match. She made 78% of those first serves. Now, she only won 60% of those points, and when you're making 78% of those first serves, you would like that other that first serve percentage number to be uh, points one to be a little bit higher, uh, but it was a really really well rounded match. And you know, in that third set in particular, uh, I believe Buskova went up an early break one love, and I don't know what it was. You know, she was up, she won that second set. Buskova was up one love, but it's very clear while watching this match something clicked for Svitolina, and I think that's the biggest takeaway is that. You know, the best in the game, the champions of our game, they find a way to perform even when they're not playing their best tennis for the duration of the match. They find a way to make that adjustment and ultimately come home with the victory. And that's what Svitolina did. She immediately breaks back and holds for 2-1, gets the break again, races out to a 4-1 lead in that third set. And she did it behind a really effective first serve. For her, she only made 57% in the match, but... 73% of the first serve points she ends up winning, perhaps more importantly, and listen to this number, folks. This is how you know it was a fun match. Svitolina saved 14 of 18 break points she faced. Now, 18 break points, you're like, and she won the match? How is that possible? Well, she created 14 break chances for herself. Now, you know, to Buskova's credit, she goes 9 of 14 in terms of saving break points. This was a great match, and for both players on the second serve in particular, being the one dictating to the outer thirds, because both of these players can move well, both of these players solid off of both wings. Neither wants to particularly be at the net, Um, but I mean, that second serve is where uh, Svitolina took advantage. And now for Buskova, she only played 25 second serve points. So that's really good in a match that went three hours long. Now, 11 of 25 on those second serve points isn't great. And again, we talked about even when Buskova was making first serves, it's not the most pop. She doesn't have the biggest first serve out there. So Svitolina was doing fine to uh, get uh, into those points. But for Buskova, she did a great job attacking this Svitolina second serve with her return, just making that making Svitolina stretched with that first ball. Svitolina only 24 of 53 on second serve points. But again, you know, for Svitolina, she got broken serving. She was serving for the match in that third set, 5-3, had a chance to close it out, and Buskova ended up getting the break 4-4-5 four, four, now. To Svitolina's credit, that 15, uh, she immediately raced out to a 15-40 lead in that next game, and she hits a big return off of a Buskova first serve at the feed. Buskova sends the response. Uh, like It's a very short response, and Svitolina gets an easy uh, put-away or an easy approach, I should say, and then you know she wins the tournament. She falls to the ground, and you could just see the emotion on Svitolina's face, and it was a great result, and confidence-wise for her, again, there's no Indian Wells, so the points and rankings points implications moving forward, are they going to have to adjust the rankings formula because of the fact that, look, a lot of these players are about to lose a lot of points. Think of a guy like Dominic Team right now in the live rankings. He's at number three, and that's based off the fact that he won Indian Wells last year. Well, they're not going to be playing Indian Wells this year, and all of those points going to drop off uh, in theory. So what, what happens there? What adjustment is made? It's a really good question moving forward, but for Svitolina, you look for her now with this win. 
She's up to number five uh, in the live rankings. And again, given the year she's had that she got this sort of victory, uh, it it was monumental for her. So a great win for Svitolina. I do want to say, and I mentioned this on our weekend mini break, the video form of which you can find on YouTube, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, throwing in highlights now, throwing in stats. These YouTube videos get better and better. So shout out to him. Um, But you know, for uh, Marie Buskova, as I mentioned, uh, she's up to number 50 right now in the live rankings, and that's three off of her career high of number 47. But keep in mind for Buskova, she's 21 years old. So we talk about the generational shifts happening in front of our eyes right now on both tours. I talked about it in the Cracked Interview podcast I did with Vesa Punka. Uh, so I apologize of the JTCC, excuse me. And so I apologize for repeating myself. A lot of you have heard this point quite often. Um, but for Marie Buskova, I mean, that's a really good place to be at age 21 inside the top 50. You're going to get into most, if not all, of the events you sign up for. So, you know, she played some outstanding tennis this week, did Buzkova. And, you know, you look at the wins she had throughout the week uh, for her. Yes, she loses this three-setter to Svitolina, but she beat Joe Conta yesterday, three and four. She beat Yafan Wang, two and five in the quarterfinals. You know, she dropped only—the only two sets she dropped this week were in the final. So a really fun result for her. A really high level of tennis. So shout out to both of those players. And, you know, given we're not going to have much tennis to watch, again, go to that YouTube channel, the WTA channel. They do such a good job of getting highlights out there as soon as possible. I believe it's a nice little eight-minute package uh, for you viewers to consume, and you're going to want to because this was a really fun match on a really fun con. Well, similar styles, but it brought out a really fun level of tennis. That was the women's final for the men, as we've said all week long as well, Adrian Manorino, the top 50 Frenchman, uh, was a prohibitive favorite entering this event. And, you know, all week long, he took care of business. I don't think he dropped a single set on route to winning. Um, this event here, he knocked off Alex Vukic, the first-time challenger finalist and former Illinois All-American standout, uh, 6-1, 6-3. Yeah, Manorino didn't drop a set all week long. And, in fact, he only played three 6-4 sets in the 10 sets that he played only three of those sets got to 6-4 none of them none of them extended <clears throat> excuse me to bonus time no 7-5s no tiebreakers even it was just clinical stuff from Adrian Manorino who was just too solid all week long too effective on the first serve 25-28 uh, on those points he saved both break points he faced you know for Alex Vukic uh, yeah he had success on the first serve uh, but in general you talk about the things he did was looking to you know do well in, in that Escobedo match he played against uh, in the semifinals. He had 31 aces. He was so effective on the first serve. Here, 20 of 31, fine. You know, he made 62% of his first serves. That's pretty good, but 4 of 19 on the second serve points just isn't going to get the job done. And, you know, when Manorino could get him extended to the outer thirds, when Manorino, who was in control for the majority of this match, was just working him side to side to side, in particular targeting that Vukic ad side, Manorino the lefty, Vukic the righty. Uh, It was just a bad matchup for Alex Vukic, but he can take solace knowing in the fact that with this finals appearance for him, he's at a new career high in the live rankings right now. He is all the way up, as I mentioned, inside the top 200, up to number 196. We don't know if we're going to see Grand Slams. Again, there's a lot of questions in the air right now on ten, uh, in the tennis world. But for Vukic, he he le- you know he leaves this event with a bunch of confidence certainly. And 
it's so funny just to make this point. A lot of people on tennis Twitter have been saying, you know, there's never been a more valuable wild card right now than that wild card into the Phoenix Challenger, which is supposed to start next week. And, you know, we don't know right now. Is that event going to be played or not? It's still up in the air. But for Alex Vukic, you know, he's going to get into most, if not every Challenger event in theory that he could play, that he would want to play. So really interesting, you know, really good week for Alex Vukic for Manorino. As I mentioned, uh, he's at number 38 right now in the live rankings, which is a good place to be given all of the confusion going on right now in the tennis world. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Those were the matches in Monterey in Indian Wells. Jack Sock, who had been having a dream week, uh, not a dream week, that's not fair, he's won Grand Slams, dream week, Challenger Finals, not a dream week for someone who's won Grand Slams, even though they were even, you know, doubles Grand Slams, but still, that's the dream, uh, you play tennis to win the slams, but, you know, for him, um, I think he played four, three sets to advance to the final, and you could just see physically it wore on him all day, uh, all throughout the final, as he dropped it his affair, his 11th career professional match against Steve Johnson, 6-4, 6-4 for Johnson. I believe it's his second challenger title on the year. I mean, Stevie J just played his brand of big, aggressive tennis, finding that plus one forehand, using his slice backhand to keep Sock uncomfortable. I swear I've never seen Jack Sock hit through his backhand more frequently than he did in this match against Stevie. And it was really like, you know, do people know the Spider-Man meme? Am I young, dating myself as saying, well, you're really young, Alex, and I apologize. I hate referencing memes, especially because you don't have the visual, but you know when they're pointing in the mirror and it's like, hey, that that's me, and I, I think that's what this match was. Johnson and Stevie were like, wait, you don't like backhands? I don't like backhands. Should we just agree? No backhands? Oh, you're going to serve to my backhand? Fine, I'm going to serve to your backhand. Uh, we saw a lot of that. Both of those guys comfortable moving forward as well for Jack Sock. So many breakpoint chances uh, in that first set. I think he had five. He had seven total on the day. I mean, for Stevie J, he saved all seven breakpoints he faced. He did such a good job of finding that ad side. And Sock, who's done a great job running around that ball, hitting forehands all week long. It's a testament to his fitness level continuing to improve. He continues to get closer and closer to the level that we saw fitness-wise from him at the end of 2017. Beginning of 2018, was able to break through uh, into the top 10, but, you know, too much from Stevie J here, who just a clinical performance, only made 53% of his first serves, but he won 75% of those points, 30 of 40 on the day there, 19 of 35 on the second serve. Now for Jack Sock, you know, he served really well as well, made 62% of his first serves, won 68% of those points, 62% of his second serve points, but when Stevie J got a break point, he capitalized two of three on the day. It was two breaks of serve that made the difference in this match, and you talk about it, 6-4, 6-4, only six points separated the two guys, 68 total first serve of uh, points for Johnson, 60, 68 total points for Johnson, excuse me, 62 total points for Jack Sock. Again, it was an either or, and Stevie J just converted in the clutch, and you saw they, they embraced at the end. I don't know if you saw this, but when you if you watch the highlights, livestream.com backslash ATP, or I'm sure I don't want to name the accounts on YouTube because I don't want to get them banned, uh, but you can always find good challenger highlights on YouTube. 
this was a really fun match and you know the sort of big tennis and it was fascinating because obviously the Indian Wells Masters has just been canceled but it was a packed house for this final two so that was really cool to see and again for Stevie J this is a great result for him as with this win he gets inside the top 75 once again he's at number 63 which for the 30 year old given you know he was hovering near that top 100 almost fell out of it at one point He's got to be pretty happy about where he's at in the rankings right now. And for Jack Sock, I mean, he's he halved his ranking. He gained 384 ranking spots this week. He's up to number 384 in the rankings, which, again, is far from where he wants or probably even expects to be. But it's worth noting that Jack Sock, you know, you saw the forehand, the serve, the skills moving forward, all of the reasons, the explosiveness he has as an athlete, all of the reasons why he's been so successful early in his career. So that was the men's result on the women's side. 29-year-old Romanian Irina Begu, uh, she emerges with the first 125K title of her career. She also wins her first uh, singles title since July of 2017, which she won in Bucharest as she she knocked off Masaki Doi 6-3, and for Begu, it was just a fantastic level of tennis all week long. You talk about the players she knocked off along the way. I mean, she started out hot. She beat Maria Bartel. She beat number four seed Taylor Townsend, number 14 seed Christiane, number nine seed Jesse Pagula. She then beat uh, Alicia Serenko. It only took me a week to realize what Serenko's first name is. And then here, Masaki Doyen. By the way, 12 sets up, 12 sets down. She didn't drop a set all week long. The Indian Wells courts clearly bringing out the best of her tennis. And you look at what she did well in particular in this match. Begu, uh, you know, she earns 10 break chances for herself, was just all over the do- the doy first serve, whether it was the first serve, the second serve, it didn't matter. Uh, she was also effective with her own first serve. You talk about it for um, Begu here in this match. Uh, you know, she won her first serve points. She was uh, 22 of 34 on those first serve points. And, you know, both of these players struggled on the second serve. But for uh, Begu, she was in control for the entirety of this match. It really did feel like, you know, 6-3, 6-3. Uh, I think she broke serve six times. I think Doi broke serve three times. Uh, you know, thin margins, but, you know, for uh, Irina Begu now, she's 2-0 and against Doi full-time, uh, all-time. And, you know, you can understand why it was just a good matchup for Begu. Doi couldn't really do enough to hurt Begu in this match. She was able to swing away, and she looked awfully good doing it. And I know there's a big, you know, whenever you go to these events, and Simona Halep, whenever you go to a big tournament in person, there's always the strongest contingent of Romanian tennis fans, which is also really cool to see. And I think they all came out for this Baku match. You know, they were obviously anticipating the premier mandatory event in Indian Wells, but, um, you know, it was really cool to see the crowds all day long in Indian Wells. That's why it's such a shame the event had to be canceled. But a really good win for Baku, who with the win moves into the live rankings now all the way up to number 75. So she is solidly in the top 104, Masaki Doi. Uh, she's at number 88 as well. So for both of them, again, given the gaps we're going to see, that should be good enough to get them into most of the events they want to play unless we see something dramatic like the Kennens and the you know the Svitolinas of the world going to play 125Ks or internationals, which I don't anticipate happening anytime soon. But speaking of Sophia Kennan, that's the last match I want to talk about real quick. Sophia Kennan, uh, 6-2-4-6-6-4 to get her second title on the year over on a Friedsum. Um, look, 
this was a really fun match. Uh, it, it felt like Kennan was in control. She went up a set and a break, and she was just playing the sort of outstanding, changing direction, swinging volley, throwing the drop shot, an immense variety brand of tennis that we've grown so accustomed to from her. But Anna Friedson, if you give her chances, particularly indoors, boy, can she hit the ball. The backhand down the line really working throughout that second and third set. Uh, Kennan actually got an early break in the third race out to a 4-1 lead. I believe Friedsum ended up chopping that down. Or no, that was the Svitolina match. Was it Friedsum? No, no, it was. Kennan here went up an early break. Uh, Friedsum ended up getting it back on serve. Kennan, though, ultimately just too good down the home stretch, and just it was the variety she played with. You know, she made 75% of her first serves, won 66% of those points, but I mentioned earlier, the swinging volleys and all these different things. Uh, her first return, she would just play it deep at Friedsome feet. She would keep moving the ball to the outer thirds, the sort of short angles you have begun to expect to see from Sophia Kennan. And with this title, by the way, she's number three right now in the live rankings. Let me say that again. Sophia Kennan, the 21-year-old American, number three in the live rankings. That is crazy. Um, but you think about it, she has been that good this year. And again, Given the schedule uh, turmoil, given that we don't know when she's going to play, with I mean she's got two she's got two titles. No one else I can think I think can say that right now. Um, so it's a really impressive result for Sophia Kennan here as she gets the win in for Anna Fritzem, just to say uh, where she is at right now. You look at in the live ranking, she's at number one hundred, which again for the 26-year-old German. Not a horrible place to be, but that was all the action from Championship Sunday. I do want to give, uh, you know, in terms of the schedule moving forward, I want to give you guys a little bit of a preview I mentioned earlier to hear the thoughts on the biggest storyline of the day, the outbreak of the coronavirus, and how it's going to affect the tennis schedule moving forward, all of those things. Go listen to the Emergency Great Shot podcast I did with New York Times writer and No Challenges Remaining podcast co-host Ben Rothenberg, uh, as it was, a, you know, we get into all the details about that in that one. We also had a GSP schedule to come out with, Tumani Cariel of The Guardian. That was supposed to come out today. We had to change that schedule, obviously, to adjust, which we're able to do here because we have the best super producers in the game, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff. But, you know, in that podcast, we talk about Kim Kleister's, Maria Sharapova, uh, one's coming back, the other obviously retiring. Uh, we also talked about coronavirus and in that moment and how we anticipate it's going to change and some players we were going to be watching closely down the Indian Wells and Miami Sunshine Swing home stretch now. I think we're going to leave all of those portions into the podcast because it's still a really interesting conversation. Some of it may sound a little bit dated at this point, but you know we're going to be releasing that Great Shot podcast later in the week, so be on the lookout for that. On the Cracked Interviews front, I mentioned this yesterday, but I'll repeat it again. We just had the chance to sit down with uh, Presley Thieneman, of course, youngest brother of our CEO, Dalton Thieneman, and an incoming player. Uh, he will be in a rising freshman next Next year for the Northwestern Wildcats. That's a really fun conversation to hear how players, as they make the adjustment from high school to college, prepare themselves physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the work that goes into that. So be on the lookout for that as well. Of course, right now, it's probably never been a better time for us to be talking as much college tennis as we do, because it looks like that might be the only tennis we see for the foreseeable future. And of course, beyond the power rankings that we write every week now on CrackedRackets.com. Chris Hallioris, Matt Stokowiak, and I sit down to recap the past week of action. I know on the men's side, Texas A&M snapped Florida's 16-match SEC win streak. Uh, that obviously feels particularly notable. Uh, there are also you know, a bunch of good results. I know Iowa beat Cornell and 
All of that and more we will get into on our College Tennis Recap Podcast with those two guys. I believe we're going to record that tomorrow night, so be on the lookout for that for Wednesday. Again, I I will ask you in advance, please go give some love to our sponsor, Diadem Sports, with their racket bundle. Again, $20 for all of their variety of strings. It's a bargain, and use our promo code CR50. You get 50% off from that as well. But it's a really interesting time to be a tennis fan, and of course, because of that, even with less results, there's always some sort of narrative for us to discuss, so expect these mini-breaks to be firing in week in, week out. I believe since some of these players will have some more free time on their hands, we're definitely going to have the chance to chat with some of them, and so be on the lookout for an active Cracked Interviews feed as well. I don't want to give away any names specifically and overpromise, but I know we've got some really fun things in the works, so be on the lookout for that. And then the last thing I have to do today before I sign off... Happy birthday to my man, Maxwell LeBauer Rothman, of course, one of the co-founders of the Great Shot podcast, Um, one of my closest, nearest, and dearest friends, my lifelong doubles partner, partner in crime, and again, uh, someone who means a lot to us here at Crack Rackets. Happy birthday, my man. You know we love you, and we, we know you will be on the podcast as soon as you can. He's just been so busy with his own stuff that I try not to pester him. You know, he he, you know, we we can the money right now. We're so grateful, but uh, it's just hard to bring everyone in full time. And now that I can go full time, you know, he's got a full time job as well, so I don't want to pester him too often. But of course, I have to say happy birthday to him and Westoff. Give me some sort of happy birthday sound effect, please. Happy birthday! Speaking of Daniel Westoff and Max Fligner greatest producers in the world who, as always, have a f*** of an ending job to do. Shout out to them. And seriously, if you haven't gone and checked out our YouTube um, channel and all the fun videos Westoff has been up to, you're, you're missing out. He's really been up to some great stuff. And hopefully, you know, some of you Patreon subscribers got the weekend podcasts in Patreon form. Uh, you get the podcast form for the weekend mini breaks. Um, but for those of you who missed any of the weekend's action, be sure to go check out those videos on YouTube. And if you haven't, I think now is as good of a time as ever to go check out the Patreon uh, because there's some exclusive content on there that we're in some new things. We turned the uh, Francis Tiafo article I wrote into a narrative podcast that right now only available for our Patreon subscribers if you want to go listen to that sort of stuff if you're trying to fill out you know the rest of your tennis because we all still have tennis needs. Uh, be sure to go give that Patreon a look and a huge shout out and a big thank you to all of the uh, people out there who have already and in fact our Patreon subscriber of the day the most lovely lady out there. I got the chance to meet her at the National Indoors. I'm worried. I was worried about her health yesterday as her son was trying to clinch the match against the Florida Gators for Texas A&M. But shout out to you, Ann Schechter. You raised one heck of a boy, and obviously he was good enough to pull out a 7-6-7-6 win. That doesn't happen without damn good parents. So shout out to you, Mr. Schechter, who again was so lovely. We got the chance to meet her in Madison and deserves a big congratulations after a huge win from Noah. And hopefully now her heart rate has gone back to a normal steady pace but uh with that in mind again shout out to our super producers as always max Flieger and daniel westoff a big thank you to our sponsors at both diadem sports with the promo code cr50 as well as our friends uh at arrow bar use that promo code cracked 30 for your tennis energy bar needs there but from the from daniel westoff super uh and max Flieger from arrow bar and diadem sports and from all of us here at both cracked records and the tennis podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say. That's the break, folks, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.